Welcome back to the Hey Roadie podcast, where we take a deep dive into the people of the Ocean State. We are your hosts, Nick and Sasha. And today, it's actually just Nick uh, for this uh, opening. Uh, we had a little bit of technical difficulties with our uh, original opening that we recorded, and Sasha's mic wasn't recording. So we had an entire opening that it was like a one-sided conversation with me and you couldn't hear Sasha. Uh, so we realized that a little bit late and I'm just recording this before it has to be uploaded. Uh, so we have some kind of intro and today's guest, we have Nikolai Blinow. Uh, she's a licensed mental health counselor and she's a career coach, but she specializes in burnout. And it's a, it's a really cool episode. Uh, we kind of get in, relatively deep on, you know, some things that, uh, you know, people can do to help alleviate burnout, how to recognize if you've been burnt out, um, especially, you know, in these recent times, the past couple of years where everybody's working from home and there's not a lot of, uh, work life split going on properly. And, uh, you know, work kind of bleeds into life and vice versa. And it's really easy to kind of burn yourself out. And, uh, luckily Nikolai's, uh, specialty is adult burnout and career burnout. So, uh, we kind of go through all kinds of stuff. It's a really fun conversation. I listen to tons of podcasts and stuff about, you know, mental health and psychology and evolutionary psychology and, you know, kind of how some things may have touched base back, you know, way back when people were first developing and some of those, uh, pre-existing notions and uh, like presets, if you will, are still kind of in our subconscious and can lead us to certain behaviors and things that may uh, not be the healthiest and, you know, ways to get around that. Uh, all around, I thought it was an awesome episode. I think it's really, really interesting. Uh, it's decently long, so I'm going to keep this intro pretty short. Plus, I don't have anybody to banter with. Uh, <laughs> and I'm sure Sasha's not going to be super happy that <laughs> she's not involved in this intro but you know you win some you lose some uh we still have the full episode for you and uh, i think you're all gonna really enjoy it so uh you know enjoy have fun so are you recording are we on cool 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 so you're a podcast pro i know totes totes um and we were introduced by chris revel who we love Mm -hmm. i call chris revel um the podcast cheerleader of rhode island he definitely is such an advocate yeah. for the community. Yes. And um, he's always just, you know, waving the podcast flag and trying to get more people into podcasting yep. and trying to support his fellow podcasters. I know. I just love him so much. I think he's such a shining star in our little in our little small community. I just love him. And I'm happy that he introduced us. So Nikolai. I'm yes. not going to say your last name right. Can you say it? It's Blino. Blino. Okay. Yes, Blino. Yes, Blino. Very, very hard to pronounce. Very strange name. It's not even hard to pronounce. It's just like when you – we. I had this conversation with our last guest because I was reading your e- emails mm-hmm. and I'm like, there's no way – like I'm reading it one way. I'm not going to pronounce mm-hmm. it correctly. And the last guest, I had the same thing and I said her last name after she had told me how it was pronounced and I said it wrong and I was like, this is so embarrassing. Um, did, you ever, did you read Harry Potter? When no, you were younger, I didn't. So there, did you see the movies? I saw at all? the movies. 
Yes. So kind there, of? No, did you what, see that movie? I saw every movie one time. Okay, okay that's enough. Yes. Uh, so the, there's Hermione. Yes, I know who she is. I shared up. a crosswalk with her once. I used to work oh, at Brown University. No. Yeah, yeah. Shout out. Yeah. I love celebrities. Yes, that yeah. was like my big Rhode Island celebrity <gasps> moment. Yeah, yeah so uh, when I read the books forever, way before there were movies, I always thought it was uh, Hermione. <laughs> Because fair. that's how it's spelled. It's yeah. so fair. But and it's like so everybody funny. I knew re- called her that until the book, the movies came out. And we were all like, oh, uh, we were Hermione. screwing that one up. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things. So anyway, I'm so happy you're here. Thank you. So you're a woman of many um, roles, talents. Uh, what's the what's another way to say that word? Like roles, talents, likes, whatever, all the things in 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 the air. But one of the things that um really sparked my interest is your career. You're a mental health counselor mm-hmm. <clears throat> that specializes in helping adults with career burnout. Yeah, that's like a. I mean, man, did you choose the right career path <laughs> during the last few years? Oh yeah. The struggle is real. Um, pretty much everybody right yeah. now. Mm-hmm. Um, I was reading. I, I try to be a good therapist, a good career coach, and mm-hmm. whenever I can, read up on research and stay informed. And in the fall, I was um, seeing data come through that, depending on where the research was coming from, some uh, outlets were saying eighty nine percent of professionals are feeling burnt wow. out at this point in time. Mm-hmm. I saw as high as ninety four percent. So. You know, it's it's something that so many of us are struggling with. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I did um, a burnout talk last week. And I think what struck me was how many people don't know yeah. that they're burnt out. Like, mm. we're so used to living this way right now yeah. that you think, like, this is just normal. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just supposed to feel kind of low-level tired, and I keep putting my nose to the grindstone and yeah. mm-hmm. wake up, repeat, do it over again. <laughs> Groundhog's Day. Wash, rinse, repeat. Well, yeah. it's funny because I'm – so I'm a diabetic, type 1, and it's funny because diabetic burnout is a thing mm. that – has I've known that term for a very long time because with diabetes, if I don't know if you know this, Nick, or if you know this, um, Nick, oh, other Nick, oh man, two Nicks, the Nicks, the Nicks. So the Nicks. I don't know if you know this, but with diabetes, because it's a, it's literally twenty four hours a day, every day. Mm-hmm. Like you have to constantly be monitoring to yourself. Last night at three o'clock in the morning, my blood sugar went low. I had crackers. Then at 5.30 in the morning, I got an alert that my blood sugar was high. I had to correct. Then it went low. Like, it's just like this ongoing thing. So you get burnt out pretty easily. Mm-hmm. And I was just talking to my doctor, my endo, about how I was, like, feeling a little burnt out lately because it feels like no matter what I do, it's really hard to find the balance. I'm working with new technology. I feel like we're not vibing, me and the technology. Like, we can't figure each other out. It feels like I'm just like, you know, putting, like you said, putting my nose to the grind and it's not working. And then, you know, I see the number and I'm like annoyed by it to the point where like, I'm like, screw this. I don't even want to look at this anymore. And then my blood sugar goes high (laughs) or low because of that. And then it's just like this constant. Anyway, that was a long way to say I'm familiar with burnt out, being burnt out for something else. But this career burnt out, I think is new for a lot of people to actually like put a word to the the feeling. Yeah. And I think what a lot of us don't realize is even burnout in our professions is a newer concept for Mm. a lot of people. 
Um, but that burnout is not limited just to our professional roles and experiences. Mm -hmm. um, psychology Today, they actually define burnout as um, a period or a response to prolonged stress. Okay. Um, but it can manifest in relationship burnout, <clears throat> caregiver burnout, mm -hmm. parental burnout. Yeah. Um, Ohio State University just published a study literally this month that, shocker for anyone who has kids, two-thirds <laughs> of working parents right now are burnt out. Yeah, because, I can't imagine uh, what that feels like. Try being burnt out at work and also trying to like show up for your kids Ooh. and keep your house clean and pay your bills. <laughs> and if you have a spouse, try and make sure they're happy too. That Super sounds like yeah. hell. My, uh, so I don't have any kids, but my brother uh, and his wife have two. They have a three-year-old and a, almost one-year-old. Mm -hmm. And but the other day I was over there and um, his wife said, uh, you know, I'm really tired. And I was like, yeah, I think you got like 18 more years of that idea. <laughs> especially being a parent. Like, oh, my, oh God. my God. I get burnt out when I'm there for half a day, let alone yeah. every single day, do you have all any day. Kids? Other I, Nick? I, I do not have any kids. Yeah. So yeah. I am not parental burnt out. Yeah, yeah. we're not, not either. That. This mm -hmm. is a parental free zone. <laughs> Everyone in this room has the flag. Um, anyway, really quick. So I know I kind of just jumped into like a highlight of why we – we're so interested in speaking with you and your expertise, but I want to like rewind a little bit mm -hmm. just to hear about you, Nick, as a person. Mm -hmm. um, so you grew up in Massachusetts. Yes. Um, can you tell us how you ended up coming to Rhode Island? Yes, absolutely. So um, sort of my story combined with my burnout story is um, my dad is an immigrant from Eastern Europe. So my dad and my grandparents came to the Boston area, so I'm not from that far, um, and really brought a lot of war-torn war Eastern Europe stories mm. with them. Like my grandmother would tell me stories about literally um, digging up tree roots and boiling them for soup because oh uh, her father had already sold all of her mother's jewelry for potatoes. Oh my God. And when the potatoes ran out, they were boiling tree roots. That's and insane. then uh, my dedushko, which is my grandfather, uh, worked in a perfume factory by day, mm -hmm. drove a cab by night. Wow. And somehow found time to go to night school to get a management certificate. Wow. So I share that because I think like burning out is in my blood because <laughs> there's a lot of like hard working like, immigrant narrative <laughs> where it's just like you just like work really hard, right? Yeah. Like life is hard mm -hmm. and you just pick yourself up by your bootstraps. So um, like I've carried that mentality through my whole life and also because of just the the fun side effects of wartime trauma. My parents um, have since been divorced. Yeah. I um, ended up in subsidized housing in Massachusetts. Long story short, I was just like trained to get a stable, reliable job. Okay. Right? Get your benefits. Yeah. Be consistent. So I actually, my first um, career was in uh, – marketing and public relations. And I really wanted to work at an institute of higher education. So I ended up here kind of through a combination of AmeriCorps mm -hmm. um, because I wanted to do meaningful work and eventually getting a job at Brown University, okay. which I thought would be my dream job of being able to do that sort of um, administrative, stable work, mm -hmm. but at an institute of higher education mm -hmm. because I really wanted that synthesis of stability, but um, 
sort of living in line with my value system. Mm -hmm. So that is how I ended up in Rhode Island. Thanks, Brown. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yep. I ended up uh, an AmeriCorps Vista. I was at Roger Williams Park Zoo first. Then I was at You worked at Roger Williams Park Zoo? I did. That's so cool. Yeah, it was kind of a fun job. I worked in the education department as an AmeriCorps member. I got to share an office with the woman who did the enrichment for all the educational animals, um, which means there was a lot of really fantastic, fun animals that would play in our office. Like we used to have a wallaby. No. A wallaby would like hop around in our office and- I think I'd have a hard time switching out of that job and working at Brown. It was it was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. You know, but um, I really had this idea that being in higher education was something that was really meaningful to me. Yeah. And the nature of AmeriCorps is for people who aren't familiar with AmeriCorps, it's basically like the Peace Corps, but mm-hmm. you serve in, you know, the country. Ah. So I was um, one because I was not familiar with that. So thank you for clarifying. Yeah, I was going to find a way to be like, can you tell everybody? <laughs> I got I'm you. Going? Thank you. So AmeriCorps is like American Peace Corps. Yeah. Um, so I was stationed in providence originally at the zoo so the nature of americorps work is it's it's contracted it's temporary so Ah. i was never going to be there for forever Mm -hmm. um and i really like i really wanted to be in higher education i just did so when i got a job at brown i was like oh my god you were so happy yeah i mean it's brown right and it's brown yeah Yeah, it doesn't get much higher than that oh my god (laughs) emma watson hermione was there we were just talking about and i crossed a crosswalk with hermione oh my god what more could you want that's a dream Mm -hmm. so from brown um, were you there for a long time? I was at Brown for about three years. Okay. Slightly more. Um, when I was like 26-ish, I went to Costa Rica for my birthday and uh, with a friend. And um, they call Costa Rica the happy place. Mm. Their sort of saying is Puro Vida, which means like the good life. Yeah. And I was really struck by literally if you ever go to Costa Rica, so many people are there. are just yep. so happy. In their line of work, it doesn't matter if they are, like, serving you up breakfast or mm-hmm. working in, like, a little um, tourism shop. Just had a completely different vibe. And I thought um, – I actually love Brown, so this is not shade against Brown. Yeah. Um, I found that I didn't love being at a desk job Mm -hmm. and uh, the realities of my job were just not fulfilling to me day to day. It was a lot of just feeling chained to a desk and I thought, well, how can I take the parts of my job that I love the most, which the fun thing about being in marketing was I got to know a lot of students. I got to know a lot of alumni so that then I could share their stories, Mm -hmm. right? Because that's what sort of marketing the university is all about is being able to share stories and I realized why I really love working with people yeah so um I that's the first step that led me to become a therapist is I thought how can I work with people and uh, I'm very grateful that I get the opportunity to sell people on this university that Mm -hmm. I think is fantastic but it would be pretty awesome if I could just like sell people on themselves. On themselves. <laughs> right? Yep, yep, yep. Like best job ever. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was, uh, I don't know if you saw me over here. I leaned over to type something because I was going to ask, you were talking about how Costa Rica is everybody like known as being very happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was going to ask if you know whether or not it's a blue zone. 
Do you know what a blue zone is? It's like, one of, no, but I do, but you're going to need to refresh my memory. Uh, it's essentially just like the places where people, there's these little pockets the in the longest? world where people live the longest. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I was going to ask, a blue zone? and then I looked it up and it is a blue zone, Shocker. which that correlates really well because a lot of it has to do with one, it's diet and culture, but it's also just happiness, happiness. and stress. Life. Yeah. Yep. yeah, I know they did an episode. Stanley I'm- Tucci? Oh, I was going to say no down to earth. Oh, Zac right. Efron show. <gasps> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wait, maybe that's cool what show. I'm thinking of. That's they, what I'm thinking. I'm not they did an episode on similar similar zones. It was uh, the blue zone one because yes. that's where I learned uh, kind of more about it. And the fact that it's only called a blue zone. So they would talk to the guy that started that term mm-hmm. and coined it. And it was only called that because he just happened to have a blue Sharpie. When he was yeah. writing on the on the so map, funny. if he had a funny? red sharpie, it would have been a red zone. But he was like, "Sounds not that as good." Been, that no. wouldn't have been as good. So mm-hmm. blue zone just worked out. That's funny that that all like kind of correlates to each other. Um, and really quick, just for my mental like timeline, did you go to school before you went to Brown and then go to school again to get your? Yeah, so I went to school uh, at Salem State in Massachusetts. My best friend lives in Salem. Shout out! I love Salem. Yeah. I literally went to school because I love that city it's so, so much mm-hmm. that I just went to school there so I could live there. Yeah, and honestly, for a long time, I thought I would move back to Salem, you did. but Rhode Island. We're glad you stay here. Yeah. <laughs> so I went to school in Salem. I majored in. Um, my major was in marketing and public relations. And then my minor was in information technology, which is why I'm such a huge fan of things like this, like podcasts. Um, And then I went went to AmeriCorps. I I worked at Brown. I was was using my degree, doing the work, and then had this Costa Rican moment where I realized I wanted to do something that felt more fulfilling. So yeah, I had to go back to school. Mm. And at the time, I had just met my now husband. Um, I met him probably a month after my 26th birthday. I was actually applying at that time to do the Peace Corps and like do work outside of the country. Um, but he and I talked, we fell in love <laughs> and thought about also what I wanted to do for my career. But long story short, I applied for a grad assistantship at Rhode Island College because oh. uh, I decided to stay here. And I got it, which if you're a grad assistant means basically you can go to school for free, but you work for the school, oh, right, as a trade-off. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, growing up immigrant, poor, like always wanting to make smart financial decisions. Yeah. So that's where that was motivated from. Um, so I got it and I up and quit Brown, like straight wow. up and just went back to school because I wanted to bang out my degree as quickly as possible. Wow. Yeah. That's um a very cool journey. Like I like how it's like community education all like focused. But really quick, I had something that I wanted to say. <laughs> I'm already talking. Really it's funny <laughs> because you said the thing about Salem. Yeah. Like wanting to move back there. And I feel like Rhode Island in Providence specifically is very similar to Salem. Totally. Like they're both weird, super weird. Mm-hmm. They both have like some streets that look like they have never been repaired since like the 1800s mm-hmm. but there's like a ton of great food and there's water and so it makes a lot of sense yeah i just i love old cities you know i love old city vibes salem yeah. has that mm-hmm. we have some of that rhode island water you can never take me away from the ocean ever yeah and food is like when so when you said water my brain went like uh like, bottled like water? they have food and water like, like <laughs> you can drink like there. You, can, you can survive there you can <laughs> also survive and there and then i was like oh like coastal stuff okay, like ocean um so i'm sorry that was such a random thing to bring up but i just i love salem and i love providence so anytime that i can like combine the two i'm I was so happy so 
when you graduated from Rick, yes, with your counselor's degree, is that yes. how you would say that? Yes, my master's in counseling. Your master's in Correct. counseling. Mm-hmm. Did you jump into being like, I want my own business, or did you have to go somewhere and work under someone first? How does that work? Yeah, so it was a long journey to be a therapist <laughs> that I did not know when I got into it. I was like, Costa Rica, yeah. quitting my job, living my dream, can't wait. Oh no, it was it was quite the journey. So, um. I knew like I knew from the beginning when I had my vision for my life that I wanted to work for myself also because I've also been a person again hardworking mentality instilled yeah. in me from literally the time I was born uh chronic overachiever like I was the person no matter what corporate job I've ever been in it's like hey you give me this work I will get it done I will probably get it done before you need it and then you're going to give me more work yeah Right. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, great, you're so awesome at your job, Um, which is nice, but also definitely leaves me vulnerable to burnout. Mm -hmm. Oh, totally. So I knew that I wanted to be my own boss so that I could have a little bit more control in sort of regulating my workload and have just more flexibility um, because otherwise I am such a people pleaser, Mm -hmm. you know? So if you give me something to do, I'll be like, I will do it. I'll do it. I'll get it done. And it'll be done better than you could ever imagine. Exactly. I'll get it done fast. And then guess what? You're just going to be like, here's more work. Yeah. Yeah. never end. It's just never going to end. Never, never, never. <laughs> and, you know, I get it. Shout out to corporate. They're just trying to do uh, what they can do to get the best out of, of their course. employees mm-hmm. and achieve their goals. Yeah. And uh, I don't remember. I'm probably going to screw this up. But I, I've heard something similar to this where they're talking about um, the fact that like, quote unquote, good employees, mm-hmm. what a, a corporation or a business would look at as a good employee. The, the tendency of those type of employees to get burnt out or uh, feel overworked is much, much higher because mm-hmm. a there's the old saying, like, if you need something done, give it to a busy person. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I've never, I don't know if I've ever heard that. Yeah. That is so true. Because the person that's not busy isn't busy for a reason. Yeah. They're not going out of the way to get things done. Yeah. So the if you do things well and you do them right, you just get more and more and more work because they think you can get it done. And it's like a self-feeding kind of cycle. Yeah, that's real bad. Yeah, and just, you know, some research statistics on that. Um, Harvard Business Review did a a study in 2018, and they showed that one in five employees is – highly engaged and burnt out and i think that's exactly the kind wow. of person you're talking about is like i'm burnt out yeah and also i'm still totally killing it yeah right like i'm killing this so much but also like please leave me alone for a second <laughs> yeah also, like, can i take it out <laughs> there's also a tendency there too um and a lot of the stuff that i have heard is from listening to about a million different podcasts so i couldn't tell you where the study came from or anything but the tendency there too is there is a, in, especially in larger corporations, um, the more productive people don't necessarily get the promotions mm-hmm. because they're in a position where, say, there's five people in that position and they're getting the most work done. Why would I promote you? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. then less work will get done in that yep. position. Mm-hmm. And then they're not only overworked, um, probably underpaid, but also frustrated because they're not totally. moving anywhere. Mm-hmm. And it just, again, it just keeps p- compiling itself, piling on top of itself. So Yeah, yeah. that's yep. that sounds 
literally terrible but also something that i've lived through so yeah makes sense this is mm-hmm. all this is all checking a lot of boxes mm-hmm. feels like everyone in this room i'm just gonna put this out there are overachievers maybe and probably uh, uh are part of this sort of <laughs> terrible cycle the one in that five, we're talking about the one in five mm-hmm. statistic is all in this room are right all now. in this room i'm mm-hmm. sorry for anyone else who's listening and three. are not like this but you know what i wonder too not to say that um uh, uh, women tend to be like busier mm-hmm. than men. I don't think that's the case necessarily, mm-hmm. but I know that not so much now, but I know there was a time that like men would get promotions. So there was this big thing and this is actually something I've talked about with Nick before. So in history, right, like men would get promotions based off of potential mm-hmm. and women would get promotions based on experience. Mm-hmm. A lot of women couldn't get the experience because they wouldn't get hired from the potential, which I always think is very interesting because Nick did the opposite when he hired me. Thanks, Nick. <laughs> so you are against the statistic. Yeah. Well, and the, the thing there, too, is um, there's a, a lot of the stuff that you'll hear from like different people giving their different opinions on different sides of any situation is obviously just conflicting information. So then yeah. you have to cross-reference things to other places. And I've heard um, some things where it talks about – and it's the – Another one of those kind of self-feeding things. If, if say, women as as a general population don't get ahead as quickly, mm-hmm. um, it could bring down their confidence within the workplace. Yeah. If you bring down confidence within the workplace, you're less likely to speak up. Yeah, um, totally. There's a was a study. Don't t- don't ask me what it was, but a, a <laughs> Nick, study that I heard about <laughs> um, that they did. I don't remember what the sample size was and stuff, but uh, of kind of looking into that, like men get promoted faster than mm-hmm. women. Yeah. And a good, le- a, a big leading factor in it, in the places that they looked, was um, men were willing to go out of their way to ask for the promotion. Yes. Yeah, totally, hundred yeah. percent. And women didn't feel the the that they were confident enough in to that position it, yeah. to go out of their way and ask for it. Yeah. So there was like a probably just from years of this is how the structure is. Yeah. Men mm-hmm. have more. Um, ambition within that thing because they feel like they're allowed to have that. Yeah, they're allowed. They're given permission to say, to speak up and to say it confidently and someone takes it and listens to it instead of being like, you don't have the experience. I'm sorry, Mm -hmm. this is not going to work out. Yeah, I mean, I was, uh, so I've been in this position for, with this company for six years. I started as a graphic designer and then I went to an assistant editorial director and then uh, art director, creative director. uh, Now I'm the general manager of the company in about six years. Um, when I was a graphic designer, just starting entry level position, we had the big meetings. Everybody was in the meetings, and I, right from the get, like if I hear something that I think is bullshit, or if I think <laughs> I have the right, I have a good idea for something, you're not going to get me to not bring it up, mm-hmm. even if other people don't like the fact that I'm not, I'm bringing it up because mm-hmm. I'm new. Like I'm incredibly highly opinionated on certain things, and on other things, I'm just like, eh, whatever. Mm. But. I, I'm not going to not speak up. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that led me to get promoted quicker. Of course. Because higher ups saw that somebody, even somebody that was just an entry level position, whether it was a good idea or not, wanted to express their ideas and try to help something move forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think there's personality type things involved there as well. Yeah. And I think too, um, I can just share anecdotally from my experience as a therapist and a coach is, um, I hear so many women saying, like, I feel guilty. Yeah. I feel guilty. If I could tell you how many times I've heard that sentence come out of someone's mouth, Uh it's like, say no to your boss. Push back. Yeah. You cannot do Mm -hmm. all of these things. Mm -hmm. Then, like, but I feel bad. Uh, That's like my – 
if I'm in an involved work or not work, like work or personal life, if I if something negative happens in a situation that literally I had no control over, but somehow maybe not involved, but I know about it, like I'm like, oh, I should have done. Oh my gosh, struggles real. I'm like, and then I think, and I'm like, girlfriend, what? This has nothing to do with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I've been. I'm really glad you're here because I have a lot of things that I've like heard about or, you know, conflicting st- things that I've heard. Um, and it's gr- great to have somebody that can push back on something. If I a bring profesh. up something that sounds stupid or <laughs> is just obviously Can't wrong. Wait. So don't feel that. Don't feel bad about pushing back on something. But um, I, I do think there's a kind of a connection there on um, like women in general tend to rank higher on like the em- empathetic yes. scale. Yeah. Um, and which will also mean that you're a little higher on the emotional scale. Not mm-hmm. that women get emotional, but that they have yeah. stronger more emotions. emotional more and more emotional, maybe awareness. Yeah. And then that more can, emotional intelligence, about what's going on around them. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And then that can also compound to make that stress and burnout happen because if I'm at work and I, so I'm a lot like this, mm-hmm. if I'm at work, Business is business. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to get mad about it. I mean, I might get yeah. mad for a second, but mm-hmm. like, I'm not taking things personally. It's business is business. So when something happens, I go, yep, it's business. And I just move forward. Yeah. Whereas mm-hmm. if you're, if everything is kind of being internalized more, mm-hmm. then it's just going to, it's going to spiral out of control. And I know a lot of, I know guys like that too, but I would say on, on the more. majority. It well, tends and to be women a, haven't been given the space in the confidence to speak up when things are internalized. So you're just internalizing it more. You hold and I, it in. Exactly. And I do feel like things, you know, in the day and age that we're in now are getting better, mm-hmm. right? Like are yes. better. Yeah, I will say absolutely. like obviously are better. But it, it's just interesting. The reason I even brought this up is because we you said the thing about like give the work to a busy person or whatever. Yep. Like if you need something done, find a busy person. And I'm like, I feel like in that quote is a lot of women being like, I'm so busy, but I'll do it. <laughs> like just because I feel bad saying no, That's like just true. put it on me. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, I mean, I don't know. You might know the percentage of like burnout between women. men and women. I can't tell you men versus women mm-hmm. right this second. Yeah, that's okay. um, But what I can say is that um, like year, years ago, pre-COVID, everything's like pre-COVID, post-COVID <laughs> now, right? So yeah. Um, some people would say that men are more susceptible to burnout because men historically haven't been um, encouraged to like speak about their feelings. Oh. Right? I like, bring that up. It's like, <laughs> okay. you know, just like be a man, suck yeah, it up. Yeah, yeah. Get and bear it, it and get it done with. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Don't be a wuss. And then some <laughs> sort of research will tell you that women are more susceptible to okay. burnout because because um, many women mm-hmm. are still juggling many responsibilities and work at home. And some families have sort of leveled that playing field, but not all families have. Yeah. And even like – so going back to my brown days, um, they used to do this really cool thing for their staff called Brown Bear Day where once a year we would get to take um, – sort of classes with their faculty. So we would get an experience oh of God, like – Oh, my that's so cool. Oh, my God. Awesome. That's so cool. Um, Long, 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 long time ago now. So most of that knowledge is gone. But one thing that really struck me was um, I sat in on a class with a researcher there who was talking about just the evolution of the genders, Mm -hmm. right, and men versus women. Mm -hmm. Um, And people can totally disagree with this, but to me it doesn't feel completely insane. Um, But what she was sharing is that if you think about it from pure evolution perspective, like the male gender, their sort of historical role in like hunter-gatherer societies was to like go hunt, right? Mm -hmm. So their job was just to like go find a task, tackle it, like bring home food, 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Versus like women historically would stay home with like the babies, the kids, the other women. Um, and for that reason, we evolved a tendency to be much more aware to what's going on around us yeah. as well and to sort of like step up and problem solve things that we're seeing mm-hmm. in our community <clears throat> because especially when we are sort of um, pre-verbal even as a society, right? Like you have to learn how to read how the family unit is doing yeah. and respond to that. And when you have babies, right? Babies cannot actually say, hey, mom, I'm thirsty. Yeah. Could you please like, you know, feed, feed me? me. <laughs> right? So there's the argument that women just have this natural ability to kind of see problems in the environment, mm-hmm. feel stress <clears throat> in the environment and respond yeah. to it. Men, well, historically, men would have evolved to um, anticipate and attack problems from without mm-hmm. and women would have done so to um, problems within. Mm-hmm. So you, you try to keep your community safe. Um, from with from themselves, mm-hmm. and then oh. the men would keep the community safe from others. Right. Wow. And so I think that the argument with women being more susceptible to burnout is like we're sort of managing our own experience yeah. and everybody else's. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we're just really used to paying attention to that. Yeah. Right. Okay. And so sometimes we even. Um, take on problems or try and solve problems that may or may not even be ours, but we just see suffering. Yeah. Like, what can I do about this? Mm-hmm. And that'll burn you out, you know, because yeah. uh, with 90% of the world is burnt out with COVID, yeah. right? That's like you mm-hmm. and just your experience. And now you're also trying to support other people and other projects. Like, of course, you're going to be burnt out. This whole conversation is like mind blowing to me <sighs> because I like, I know, Nick, you, you listen to like a lot of podcasts. So you have some like knowledge about this sort of stuff. And obviously you're an expert on this. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. like everything that you're saying, the thing, like it would not even register to me. I mean, probably because I'm a woman and I am living in my own existence. And mm-hmm. I know other, I know how other women are from my conversations with friends that I'm like, oh no, women definitely probably like suffer from it. I know, I know we can't say more or less, mm-hmm. but hearing you say like, because men don't always know how to like speak on their emotions mm-hmm. and like let out what they need to let out to say that they're having burnout even while having it. Oh my God, it makes so much and it sense. May not even necessarily be that one or the other experiences the entirety of burnout more than the other, but different types. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So one could be more of a uh emotional burnout, depending on who you are, what you do, what kind of job you have, who you're surrounded by, whether you work by yourself or or not. And the other could be more of like a uh, physical and metaphysical kind of burnout and mm. mental burnout. So, I mean, it does, it does one burnout isn't necessarily something that's just one thing. Absolutely. Mm. Like everything in life, right? It's like comes in many varieties. And, you know, the fact is like, like I said, we're all Pretty much all of us are burnt out all the time, you know. And it's- we just went on a big tangent while I was trying to get like your history of your career. Yeah. Tangent, so, tangent. Love so anyway, it. back to being a therapist, being a therapist, and, like all the fun, figuring out how to start your own business and be your own boss. Yeah, so I knew I wanted to do it, and so I quit my job. I went back, went to school, got that done, and then, um, mm-hmm, yeah, realized you have to definitely earn your stripes. <laughs> That's a thing. You don't just like end up at the magical end game yeah. where. <laughs> 
you know, you're helping people for a living and you're your own boss. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I worked in a number of community uh, mental health centers, uh, Woonsocket. My first therapist job was as a substance abuse clinician. Oh, so yeah. I got to work with a lot of people who are mandated for substance abuse treatment. Um, from there, I worked at Gateway Healthcare, which is a big provider here in Rhode Island, Providence Center place called health path you oh, know okay yep yep because you have to once you and i guess if anyone's listening and you want to be a therapist <laughs> here's what you need to know tis a road um <laughs> so you must get a master's degree okay and then once you get your master's degree um you have to do about two years of actual clinical work which means you are working at any of these said agencies or community centers that I'm talking about under the supervision of the organization and another licensed therapist. Okay. You have to collect hours. You have to collect supervision. People have to sign off on that. You have to take a super fun test. <laughs> we love tests. It's not too much different. I mean, maybe different timelines than like a, uh, I don't know how you say it but like a like a physical medical doctor yes uh has the same kind you know you go to school and then you have to do uh yep yeah whatever like the residencies and that whole thing yes yeah nobody very similar especially if you want you ultimately want to start your own practice i can just say for myself if I find out that you didn't do any of that stuff. You just got out of school, uh, and just I'm your hung first my shingle. Yeah, I'm your first patient. I'm like, no, thank you. <laughs> right, which is honestly sometimes therapists. You, um, there's a big life coaching community out in the world as well. Yeah, yes. and I do not hate life coaching, but also sometimes that is an argument against life coaching. Is like you can just be a life coach. Yeah, you I don't could need be to if be. I a, to be. You don't need to be like a licensed therapist who's done the leg work that you've had to do through clinicals and through all Correct. that stuff. And, and I do have friends who are life coaches. So I want to say there are very good life coaches and you can go through certification programs okay. to become a life coach, which is voluntary. Um, I still think as therapists, like Nick is saying, with like we need to get our schooling, then we basically mm-hmm. need to do a residency. Mm-hmm. We need to be supervised. We have to take this big fancy test. Every two years, I have to do a certain amount of continuing education. Like oh, there's okay. just a lot more mm-hmm. uh, training. You're always learning too. Yes. Because I'm yeah. sure there's like even like if you think about like the way they handled like mental health in like 20 years ago mm-hmm. and the way they handle it now. Like if you- Five years ago. Five years. Yeah, literally. <laughs> yeah, five has, years ago. Things like these, this is, have totally changed. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's like having someone that's like learning about, you know, different things and different approaches and different yada, 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 I think is so important. And again, I, I don't personally know any life coaches, but I'm sure that they are, they have a great- um uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like they're they're their wanting to exactly their motivation yeah. is good, and I'm sure that there are clients that get a lot of help mm-hmm. from them. But I think when you get down to sort of like the nitty gritty, like mental health part of it, I feel like that can be like a really tricky sort of like fence to be on. It's the the I'm trying to think about the way to put this. It's the the overlap between. There are a lot of charlatan type of life coaches mm-hmm. now because of social media mm-hmm. that really just want you to buy into their pyramid scheme product mm-hmm. that they're selling. Um, <laughs> there's also people, and I I say I don't particularly like life coaches, mm-hmm. but I don't like life coaches that say like, this is the only, just like I don't like people that are personal trainers that say this is the only method mm-hmm. and this totally. is the only way you can do things. I do like life coaches that are more on the inspiration side of things. Yeah, mm-hmm. Like Definitely. this is what I do. Mm-hmm. This is how far I've come. They show themselves doing those things. You get that a lot with physical folks, but like 
uh, that kind of practice what you preach type of thing yes. leads, you can kind of lead somebody along that way. So they see what you're doing, you inspire them, then they want to do that too. Yeah. And I honestly think a part of that is just, again, the difference in training a therapist, like we have to do a bunch of training on ethics, uh, right? Yeah. And we actually have to continue to do training on ethics for the rest of our lives. Every time we do continuing education, there always has to be some ethical component. Okay. Um, and so I think in life coaching, that's not necessarily required. Mm -hmm. And so again, giving people the benefit of the doubt, just like if you've never been taught to like it's think muddy. ethically. It's really muddy. You know, then it's yeah. hard to tease out like, what am I putting? Like, I know I have a friend friend who is related to someone who's a life coach, mm. right? So I get the inside scoop. Um, it's just <laughs> interesting because I see the version of themselves they project out to the world, yeah. mm -hmm. right? And the messages that they are putting forth. But I also know behind the scenes, I'm like, yeah. mm -mm. you know what's yeah, going yeah. on. Not practicing what you you preach are not practicing what you preach. And I really strive, whether it's as a therapist or as a coach, like, authenticity is something that's really important to me mm -hmm. um, because I think that is the way to be most ethical. It's mm -hmm. just like, here's who I am. Who's here. Here's what my training is. But also like, you know, here's what I'm good at. Here's what I'm not good at. Yeah. Here's what I do that helps me. Here's sometimes when I use all the tools and I still am a mess, yeah. you know, because yeah. that's called humanity. That's really important. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think the continuing education part is a, is a big deal too, to me. Yeah. <laughs> because there's this kind of some, there's some fields where this kind of, like a set it and forget it type of deal. Mm -hmm. Like, and that's a lot of them. Uh, you're expected to kind of learn on the job as you go forward and, you know, like graphic design. Like, I'm not going to keep going back to school because I have to learn something new to stay up with the programs all the time. It's a different story, but I'm not affecting somebody's, uh, you know, Mental personal health. health. Yeah, totally. Um, or like I always said, and I'm sure this could possibly offend somebody out there, but I've always said like, same mm -hmm. thing with like, police officers mm -hmm. when you first go in you have to be like physically fit you have to pass the physical fitness test i think you should have to pass that physical fitness every test year. every single year mm -hmm. and you should probably have to go to some kind of self-defense training as in like martial art um every single month or whatever um nothing drives me crazier than like that stereotypical like overweight unhealthy looking police officer yeah. i'm like who are you chasing down yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean mm -hmm. so like if a lot of fields that um directly impacted another person and their day-to-day -day, um going ons uh required that continuing education and a continual check-in on that type of thing which i think a lot of things are heading in that direction mm -hmm. with yeah. accountability uh i think we'd be better off across the board and I think it's better. I mean, for me as a professional, I mean, I don't mind doing continuing education, yeah. right? It keeps me engaged, interested, mm -hmm. yeah. up to date, you know? I can try and learn things that, you know, I can brush up on things because sometimes, real talk, I end up doing the same kinds of continuing education because they are things that interest me. Yeah, of right? course. But then also it encourages you to learn about new things too. Try something different. Mm -hmm. or And I feel like it also probably builds confidence too that like if you're seeing someone and there's a situation that is new to you that maybe you've never heard before or you've never been, you know, you've never had to give counseling in this scenario, I feel like continuing education like it's giving you the tools to like figure out new things where like if you went to school you know 30 years ago and you are now dealing with things in 2022 those problems those instances are going to look so different like we just said than 30 years ago or how many ever years ago and the tools you need to like work towards them are going to be different Absolutely. of course they are going to be different like that's 
you know, it's not even close to the same thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, a qu- a quick kind of curiosity question, which yes. I believe other people probably have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have this with, and I'm just going to add in, um, drawing a blank now, um, counseling to the list, but uh, the difference in like kind of training and ultimate uh, like capability toward the end of like, so from like counselor, psychologist, psychiatrist, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. and like how those things differ as far as training and then like what you in practice, what it is, I guess. Yeah, totally. Um, It's funny. Someone, uh, shout out, I won't say their name, but a (laughs) former Brown University colleague many, many years ago reached out to me on social media um, because they're thinking of going back to school for social work. And this is a conversation. And I said, do you want to have a coffee? Because one thing I wish uh, had been done with me Mm -hmm. is sort of guided through those kinds of questions. There's a lot of different ways to become a therapist, right? But they are all sort of different pathways and different end goals. Um, And I just honestly fell into it. I went to Rick because I knew another therapist who went to Rick and they were like, go to Rick. They're like the school that helped developing the licensing requirements for the state. Mm -hmm. So if you go there, you're going to be set up from the beginning to like Mm. have everything you need to eventually meet all the criteria to be licensed. Right. So I took the path of least resistance. Um, But basically they're they're all different degrees. Mm-hmm. So, and this is good because I think it's important for people listening to know that you're going to have a different experience depending on the kind of professional that you seek out. So social workers and counselors, we are both master's level um, trained clinicians. Social workers um, tend to think more about like the social structure structures mm. that impact us. Um, They also do obviously do a lot of the same clinical work that I do, but their philosophy is more sort of like sociology informed. Counselors, um, we are actually one of the newer professions. Um, Counselors basically believe that like, yes, those social forces inform you Mm. and influence you. And also there's a lot internally that we can help you with. And it's sort of the interaction between the internal and the external. Um, So we, and we also believe that basically inherently, like we're always growing as people. There's never, you're never going to stop. So counselors kind of believe like we can always do better, Mm -hmm. right? There's no like you go, we fix you, and then you're like, just go on you're with done. your life. We're like, there's all life is hard, yeah, right? Life is hard, so like, you're always gonna potentially just want to work through that. Mm-hmm. Um, psychologists and psychiatrists are both doctors, so okay. they're sort of like the next level. So they actually have to go to medical school. And I mean, I'm, I apologize to any psychologists or psychiatrists if I get this wrong, because I am not a psychologist <laughs> or a psychiatrist, but this is my understanding from my clinical training and my schooling. Um, psychologists and um, psychiatrists operate from the medical model. Um, and not that we do not also operate from the medical model, but um, psychologists um, tend to look a little bit more historically at the past and a diagnosis. Yeah. And the goal, like when you go to the doctor, if you're sick, the goal is like to make you not sick. Yeah. Right. Like that's the goal of a psychologist. Also the goal of a psychiatrist, the difference being psychiatrists will prescribe you medication. Okay. Right. So that's the difference there. So they're the ones who manage the medication. 
Um, so as counselors, we absolutely still can diagnose people with mental health conditions. Mm -hmm. Um, but our goal isn't necessarily to like not make you sick. It's like, yeah, it's like a lifetime. Yeah. Working through your life in a lifetime setting. Yes. Does that make sense? Totally. Yeah, absolutely. I I think one of the things I was kind of, uh, leaning toward there too was like, I know that, and I don't know if this is a requirement or if it's kind of just common practice, but that like psychiatrists are kind of expected to have a psychiatrist like you're expected to do sessions with a fellow uh psychiatrist on a on a normal basis is that something you do it have you like worked with other counselors do you like sit oh yeah in with other i mean people? i think i mean or even just bounce ideas and things off of other people are there are there conferences i don't know the whole deal yeah well i mean we do this continuing education right mm-hmm. so that always makes sure that we're getting training um i think any good sort of counselor has a network that they're tapping into. Some people do that formally. A lot of times when you're on your own, honestly, like it's it's sometimes a challenge to just like bring people together. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know I have a network of people that I tap into throughout yeah. the years who are just former coworkers and colleagues where um, if there's like a case, you know, where I'm like, mm, I want some feedback on this. Yeah. Uh, I just have great counselor friends. We pick up the phone and we call each other yeah. and we, we consult because it's important, you know, mm-hmm. to be able to pick the brains of other people who are similarly oriented, but also, you know, like good at their job. And yeah, I feel absolutely. like dealing with – so my best friend is a counselor. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know, like, he, similarly to you, he has, like, a network mm-hmm. of counselors. Because when you're a mental health counselor, regardless of who your clients are, there's a heaviness mm-hmm. to the job. Yeah. No matter what. Yeah. Like, no matter what. Whether it's adults, kids – uh, college, it doesn't matter. There's going to be a heaviness mm-hmm. and you need to have that network network of people to kind of help lift you from that heaviness. Yeah. Right. Because if you're only by yourself thinking of, of these issues and th- not issues might be the way wrong way to say it, but like thinking of like tips and tools and talking out things, but you aren't talking those out with someone else. It's mm-hmm. just so internalized. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot to keep in. Yeah. That's a real mm-hmm. lot. Yeah. I mean, therapy um, is one of the highest burnout professions. Yeah. Right. It's um, therapy, teachers, <laughs> yeah. which, you know, I don't think that's surprising, especially yeah, post-COVID. Uh-huh. School administration, uh, police yeah. officers, a- anyone in the medical field. I mean, that goes without saying. Of course. Um, so, yeah, it's important that we have a network. And a lot of therapists have therapists. Like, I have a therapist. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like at this point in time I necessarily use my therapist as a therapist yeah you know like can we just chat yeah exactly right i'm like oh my god my husband's driving me crazy yeah 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 he like thinks that working from home means like i can just do all this stuff yeah (laughs) well well, even having somebody that you can just like uh especially somebody who also has training um that you can just talk to about things Mm -hmm. because even if you're not using them like a therapist Mm -hmm. or like a counselor Mm -hmm. um, or you're not thinking of it that way they could stumble at you stumble into something and be like, Hey, you know, did you have you ever thought about it this way instead? Yeah, <laughs> and you'd be like, Totally. Oh, okay. Yeah, or yeah, like yeah. after you've talked for and they don't don't give you any advice, but you know, two months later they're like, you know, I kind of noticed a pattern going on here. And like they're able to point that stuff out to you as well, which could be super helpful. Yeah. And you know, I think it's important to note that like all and I'm again very authentic, like all therapists were people too, right? Yeah. So plenty mm-hmm. of therapists out there, like they're not always talking about it, but like we have anxiety, right? 100%. We have depression, yep, right. And I think uh, I'm just a, 
my philosophy and also my training is just like big practice what you preach. Yeah. I'm a big practice what you preach person. So, I mean, oh my God, do I have anxiety sometimes? Totally. Yeah. Um, But the nature of, I guess, choosing the field that I'm in is, is like it's always forcing me to like do my own work and walk mm. the walk, right? So when I say I'm like not using my therapist as a therapist just because like I'm using the same tools that I like encourage that you my preach client, you know, yourself. all the yeah. time, right? Yeah. So I'm like, I'm therapizing myself constantly. <laughs> all the time, 24-7. And so when I go to therapy, I'm probably like the easiest client ever. Yeah. I'm just complaining about my husband trying mm-hmm. to like ask me to and it's like a, the laundry. a break for you for a minute to not be in like your counselor brain. Mm-hmm. Like I'm sure that, I'm sure you're, nine times out of ten you're in counselor brain in any situation so being with someone else who does what you do mm-hmm. it probably is a nice little like break to be like oh my god i can just like talk like you know like an idiot and just say the stupidest stuff talk about like a sh- like a show i'm watching and not feel whatever like i can just be the most relaxed well maybe yeah. not relaxed but you know what i'm saying like you, you can like just yeah, like you know pump the brakes a little bit totally <laughs> <clears throat> I had a random question yeah. uh, because we were talking before about like kind of um, evolutionary psychology type mm-hmm. of deal, uh, you know, go, trying to trace things back and build it on like an evolutionary standard. Did you ever read the book Sapiens? I have not. Oh, I just started. Well, I didn't just start it. I got like halfway through it. It's Yuval Harari. He just kind of goes back. It's like a really um, more easy to read version of like a textbook almost where he traces back the lineage of people like to the beginning of people and it's from like when people started all the way up to modern day uh and it's super interesting yeah i would recommend reading it because it doesn't read like a textbook it reads like a book you'd want to read but it's actually giving you a lot of information on it like that's where like random crap like he touches on like the domestication of different animals and how mm. those affected people over time and you know the fact that we found like uh 30,000 year old graves that have uh, a, a dog in the grave with the person and like that's how long we've been domesticating animals. I know you animals. can't see our faces like, but I'm making yeah, like oh. the big sad faces so sad. Uh, there's actually so this is I'm going on a random tangent but there's this like do you go on Instagram at all? I do on occasion. Love. There's a, a trend on Instagram reels right now where it's the audio is like a the dog will be there and it's I'm like like did you oh no that oh. one too <laughs> but the uh it's like a, oh did you know that if you were born a few just a few hundred years ago you would have to get be outside and get all your own food and stuff and every single time i hear it my like overthinking brain i want to comment like can somebody change this audio to be 30,000 years ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. A few yeah. hundred years ago, we still had dogs as domestic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like reading that kind of stuff. You're like I'm, inaccurate. Yeah, yeah. it makes this me overanalyze it. Mm-hmm. But because those kind of like jokey things yeah. are, are great and they're they're funny and Silly. it's really, yeah. really cute video. But it also, if you have never learned that, like now, and now in somebody's head, they're like a few hundred years ago, we domesticated dogs. It's mm-hmm. like no, 30,000 years ago, we domesticated dogs. Mm-hmm. And stupid things like that. This is how my brain works. <laughs> I still find find it funny and then after the fifth time i go <laughs> you have to create the new audio for instagram reels yeah Nick. right you just corrective audio it. yeah um well okay so here's a few things one yeah. i just looked at my clock and we've already been talking for an hour i know it's so crazy which is insane yep. and yeah. i don't want to take up too much of your time i feel really lucky that you're in here yeah and i feel like even more than nick and i thought we would have to talk about mm-hmm. this has been so lovely and so interesting um so thank you so much thank you i want to talk like nick you can ask any other questions yeah i have two main like finishing questions but if it keeps going that's fine too yeah so one is for people who feel like they're suffering from burnout if you have a few tips 
to help. And mm-hmm. then the second question is going to be a 180, a 360, no, a 180. And I want to know what you do outside of this sort of heaviness. Oh, okay. As like you, Nick, in life. For funsies. Yes. For funsies yes, with your totally. husband in the environment, yes. in the world. Yes. So those are like, we can keep on going on tangents as long as we hit upon those two things at some point okay. in the next few minutes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. So what can people do if they're feeling burnt out? Um, gosh, it's such a big question. Talk to a counselor. Talk, talk to, to a counselor. Talk to Nick. <laughs> Call Nick. Yeah. Now. Talk to a counselor or a coach. Um, I think the struggle with burnout is it is that combination of sort of like internal vulnerability factors like me, the overachiever with yeah. the immigrant narrative of like hard work. Uh, it's, it's that, but it's also the world around us and we're living in a very burnt out world. Yeah. Um, I think we're competing with, um, God, years ago, there was a study came out saying that um, in America, stress has actually become a status symbol. <laughs> so in addition, <laughs> in addition to I'm like- I'm more stressed than you are. Yeah. Right? In addition to like, how much money do you make? How cute is your house? How stressed are you? How many kids do you have? Do you have a white picket fence? And, and this is not shade for anyone who has any of these things. But the idea is like somehow along the way, we internalize that stress equals success. Wow. And so we are like existing in that bubble <laughs> all of the time. This just yeah, sounds I, like an equation for failure yeah and so basically what i'm saying is like it's it's not simple right because that is our reality <laughs> yeah i don't know if if women do this too yeah uh, but i know with my guy friends if you say if i say you know been super stressful week uh you know i've only uh been getting like maybe four hours of sleep mm-hmm. somebody will be like oh dude don't be a wuss i've been getting like two right you know, yeah, it's yeah, like a yeah, competition yeah, yeah, there yeah. like building on that like it's a badge of honor kind of mm-hmm. thing like mm-hmm. somehow you think that like getting less sleep than me (laughs) yeah no yeah yeah right and so like this is why sometimes i think i get frustrated with like the stuff that's put out in the world about like self-care and burnout yeah well you can't just bubble bath your way to feeling better when you're existing (laughs) yeah you know when we're existing inside of this bubble where like stress has permeated uh, every part of our lives. And we are fighting against this notion that if we are not stressed out, we are not successful mm-hmm. or we don't care. Mind blown again. Yeah. Wow. So I think like if I had to say one thing you can do to fight against burnout or protect yourself is like really recognize that that mentality is real. Yeah. And make an active choice for yourself to just like fight back. Fight it. And not okay. drink the Kool-Aid. Yeah. I love that. How, uh... That is such a, okay. That <sighs> That is such a helpful tip. <laughs> Don't drink the Kool-Aid and wow. fight back. You know? How about like um That's, oh my God. a tip for, so not, um you know, get, getting yourself out of a burnout, but, and I know you said like kind of as drink the Kool-Aid. Don't drink the Kool-Aid, fight mm-hmm. back. But how about just a tip for like even recognizing that you You're are burnt, burnt, out. In a burnt out? Okay, yes. Run down. The three markers of burnout are as follows. One, emotional exhaustion. Okay. Right. If you are emotionally tired, and I also give a side note here, uh, basically that means if you should probably not be feeling physically exhausted as well. 
right? So if you're waking up uh, and you're already tired, like you should actually wake up feeling well rested. Uh, If you have that afternoon energy slump where you need to go to the snack machine and drink coffee and you don't have a sustained energy during the day, right? As Sasha hides her Hide my coffee that I just got. That may, I'm not saying it's definitely a warning sign that you're emotionally exhausted, but it it could be, right? So it's just worth asking like, do you have sustainable energy throughout the day? Also, do you have like emotional bandwidth, mm-hmm. right? Um, that is a first marker of burnout. The second burnout sort of marker is um, depersonalization because mm. in my field, we have to use clinical terms for things. Yeah. Um, and that basically means feeling out of touch, right? So when we are depersonalized, a lot of times we feel out of touch with our work. Mm. We feel out of touch with our families. We even feel out of touch with ourselves. Okay. And so people, um, when they're at that place, they notice they're having like less empathy, you know? So someone at work sort of like pulls something yeah, and like normally you'd be able to say like, oh, whatever, like we're all human. And you know, you're just like, are you kidding me? You're like, get right? out of here. Get over it. Right. Stop complaining. Or, you know, I think a lot of times what I see is we're so programmed to like hold it together and put Mm. the like happy face on at work that I feel like that lack of compassion and empathy probably comes out more in like the people we love that we go home to. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, they're going to stay there. They're going to. Exactly. So when your spouse is telling you about how hard their day is, this isn't my life (laughs) happening in real time. And you're just like, oh, my God, shut up about the person at work who read your email wrong. Who cares? Nobody cares. So that feeling that way towards someone would be considered partially that's a a warning sign okay it's like i have less sort of empathy towards other people towards other people but also honestly overachievers one in five people i think a lot of us turn that inside everyone in this room you know i see a lot of people when they're burnt out they have less compassion for themselves yep Right. It's like, why can't I? I should be able to. Yeah. I made my to do list of five things I was going to work on this week and I only did two. I'm terrible. I suck. Exactly. Yes. Piece of crap. Yeah. I'm a giant failure. Yeah. Right. Like that is definitely a warning sign of depersonalization. Wow. And then the third um, official sort of burnout marker is a decreased sense of accomplishment, which basically (laughs) means you're less productive, which is, again, most people these days. Right. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to do this work project that I've really been thinking about, but instead I went on Instagram for five hours. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. I, um, so I did one of these things pretty recently, recently actually. So, uh, as a person, when I was younger, I, uh, I had a lot of anger issues when I was like in high school and I had to kind of work through them. I'd get in like big fights with my brothers, blowouts, like physical altercations. Um, I had to work on not getting like Anger Angry. outbursts. Mm-hmm. So I like physically or, or um, I go out of my way to not get mad. Mm-hmm. I mean, I still get mad, but I go, go out of my way to like stop, think about it. Like, all right, here's where I'm at, why I'm feeling this way. What's a better way to handle it? I have to like, I, I don't do that automatically. I have to run through a mental checklist yeah. of it. Um, and like when I was, Younger, I had to. I spoke with somebody. I don't remember what it was because this was a long, long time ago. But there's like the you know count to ten type of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mine was spell anti disestablishmentarianism, so I can still spell that uh, in <laughs> my head impressive. as like a a, a mantra thing because it was hard and you had to kind of think about it. After a while, it got so easy that I can just do it. But can you do um, it right now? A n t i d i s e s t a b l i s h m e n t a r i a n i s m. 
Yes. <laughs> I think we just Thank blanked you. out. So we're like, sure. Sure, yeah. that, that sounds good. right. I do it quick. So I don't um, even know what the letters you But just so said. the other day, I uh, definitely was getting a little burnt out and I snapped at. So, like I said, I'm, one of the, I'm a general manager on the phone with an employee and I snapped at them. Mm-hmm. And I was on the phone with them for a long time uh, to a point where. 20 minutes, 10, 15 minutes later, I had to then apologize for snapping because I realized that I had done it. Yeah. I do. While I, I don't typically do that, I think Sasha could uh, attest to that. You, you better attest to that. <laughs> uh, I think Sasha could attest to that, that I, I don't typically snap at people. Um, but I, I do recognize when I'm doing those kind of things. I just don't always recognize them right away. Yeah. So I'm pretty quick to apologize to somebody about it. Um, but that's just like that. I knew I was getting burnt out because yeah. like my ability to stop myself from doing that yeah. kind of went away. It's gone. That filter, yeah, right. That and it's like away. that. That's like that emotional exhaustion, right? Yeah. When you're tired, you just don't have the ability to like self-regulate like, the way you normally do. Yeah. You know? Those three things that you just said, I think are really helpful because I think a lot of people, and again, with the whole, like you were saying, like people will post a picture like bubble bath, like self-care, mm-hmm. like blah, 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 blah. And I'm totally one of those people. Like, don't get me wrong. Like I, the second I feel stressed out, I'm like, I'm going to go get a pedicure and it's going to fix all my problems. And then I'm there and I think about all the things I could have been doing better and I can't, you know, whatever. <clears throat> but what I think is cool about hearing some insight about these things is actually getting to recognize it mm-hmm. and know that like a bubble bath can't and shouldn't fix this. Totally. Like you need to figure out some other tools. Sometimes there's different tools or there's like bigger fish to fry. Yeah. As yeah, they yeah. say. Mm-hmm. And it's about learning to there's a time and a place for the metaphorical bubble bath of yeah, the world. 100%. Right. But there's also a time and a place to look at like your mindset and mm-hmm. saying like, am I overachieving? Right. Is it like my mentality is causing me to like push and push and push. Right. Yeah. And I'm drinking that like stress Kool-Aid. Yeah. And that's not like I should bubble bath my way out of that. That's like, I need to say no to some things. Mm-hmm. I need to take some things off my plate. And utilize delegate. people There's- like you, Nick, as a counselor, as a coach, actually take, because I think a lot of times too, people are nervous to take the step to say like, I need more help than I can yes, give myself. Totally. And I think being able to hear like the things that you were just talking about and say like, you know what? I can't fix this by myself. I need better tools. I need to talk to a professional. I think is, in the long run, feel scary. Mm-hmm. But then once you do it and you kind of get over that sort of like stigma behind all of this like silly, silly, silly st- stigma behind things, you're like, okay, I can't handle this by myself. I need help. I need someone who like specializes in this to walk me down. Yeah. And uh, a thing too with like talking about the metaphorical bubble bath or the real bubble bath either way, um, whatever you want, however you want to do it. Um one thing that a lot of people uh, don't think of or don't really want to do, um, but has been more recently proved, you know, through the actual uh, connection, the mind-body connection that's become more and more prevalent and more and more clinically proven uh, over the past, let's say, five to ten years. Mm-hmm. Um, even down to, like, the fact that we know that there are um, uh, synapses within, like, your stomach lining and in yep. your heart that actually... Microbiome, gut you know, health access. That actually directly 95% to, of serotonin is produced in your your gut what yeah mic drop crazy right (laughs) the happy hormone or it's not a hormone and those things all directly connect to your to your brain which directly uh you know that's what makes you know sugars make you want more sugars and that's what makes they can directly affect your your mood um and your outcome throughout the day so things like not just your like um 
making a connection mentally with your issues and recognizing them, but also things like uh, what you're eating, eating oh, healthy, yes. mm-hmm. um, exercise. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm terrible at this stuff. So uh, you're uh, like, let me tell let, you all yeah, what to do, listen but I'm to, doing none of these Do things. as I say and not as I do. Mm-hmm. I try to do them. I'm yes. just so bad at like building up a routine and yeah. actually sticking to it. Um, but it's like clinically proven that um, even something like um, anxiety, that uh, physical exercise and exertion directly correlates to an alleviation of clinical anxiety. Yes. Um, it's just very difficult to do uh, and to stick to. Yes. Um, so, and then there's, uh, it's SRIs, right? That people use for anxiety? SSRIs. SSRIs, yep. yeah. Um, like it's been proven that in some cases, mm-hmm. um, a physical exertion can be more beneficial than an SSRI can. Or be. meditation is something that they study sometimes in like mild Huge to now. moderate um, cases of depression. There's a, a, a TED Talk, The Mindful Way Through Depression, if anyone wants to look that up, that talks about uh, meditation to help with that. But I think that also is touching on that mind-body connection. Yep. And right? that it's real. Yes. Oh, like you're saying. It's, not a, a, it's not a woo-woo thing anymore. Oh, my God. It's so legitimate. I was a yoga teacher before as a therapist. Oh, okay. And when I was at Good Old Fashioned Rick, I was always like the hippy-dippy one. <laughs> Rick, you're a yoga teacher. And now I'm like, see, everybody. Everything does connect. Mind-body is real. And yoga is like um, medically recommended to a lot of people now. Mm. Totally. I actually, I, I should... I should rep this. I did a TED Talk on yoga and its connection to mental health. Oh, that's cool. So if anyone out there, I'm a huge proponent of using yoga as a practice for your mind body. Um, you can figure out just like why that, why it works. Yeah, yeah right? that's really cool. Yeah, That is yeah. really cool. Yeah. I feel like it's, I've heard a lot about like of mindfulness and meditation and I'm sim- similarly to Nick. I, I do feel like I take uh, physical uh, activity pretty seriously. Like I try every day at five o'clock, even if I'm not done a project for work, I close my computer and I go for a walk mm-hmm. and I say like, I can finish it when I come home. I can fin- I can wake up a little earlier. And fin- like I always say like at five o'clock, I'm going for a walk. That is my time. I need to go for a walk. I need to be outside in the air, moving my body, feeling like, what's the word? Like um, feeling my environment mm-hmm. instead of being like in my house in front of my computer. Um, and I mean, uh, again, this is something I'm going to say we because I mean we as in me myself. Um, but we as a general rule as people like to believe like well, we make up excuses for mm-hmm. things. So like I'm too busy. I can't make it to the gym. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, I'm too busy. I don't have time to meditate in the morning. How can I put aside this amount of time every day at the same time? There's no way I can do that. I'm way too busy. I have too many things going on. But the most successful people in the world like that are happy and successful or even if they're just really successful because they have a lot of energy, they do it. Oh, yeah. Somebody Oprah. Like, yeah. They take naps. Oprah meditates. And those are the people that have three jobs. They own two different companies. They're yeah. all over the place. They work out like two hours a day. They run in the morning. They they make time to do these things because that's how important they are. They ha- are way busier than we as a collective are as a general uh, person in the workforce. And they still find time to do it. So it's just an excuse. It's one that I make to myself. Oh, yeah. So I'm saying we for a reason. But it's, it is just an excuse uh, at the end of the day. Okay, but on the opposite spectrum, I learned this back the other day. You know, what's his name? Is it Mark Cuban? That, yes. that billionaire guy? Mark yeah. Cuban. Do you know You know how everyone's like, when you wake up, you need to make your bed. It's the way you get. He does not make his bed. He's oh, like, I'm not making that bed. I, I have better things. 
snakes to do than make this bed? I'm like, that's funny how like the way Mark Cuban also directly contradicts most people's advice because I think he just likes to. He just likes it. <laughs> but I just think it's interesting but to it, hear like every you know. It's a good well, point no out that there's individualism. Right way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah, no, there's right, no it's right way. It's about finding what's the right way for yeah. you. Right? Like I have a friend, shout out to my friend Lynn. She's a, a weight loss coach and she's actually a, a behavioral therapist. She lives yeah. in Pennsylvania, so you'll probably never see her. Oh, hi yeah. Lynn. Hi Lynn. Um, <laughs> oh my God. She wakes up at 3.30 in the morning and runs. She has a, a small child. No, no. Yep. She owns her own business, Mm-mm. right? She runs. She trains for marathons. Oh, yeah. gross. Yeah. I mean, not, not gross. Me. Sorry, Lynn, uh, but gross. Uh, nope. Not uh, me. <laughs> not, never Cam me. Hain- Cam Haynes is a, he was a, a Under Armour sponsored bow hunter. Yeah. He's pretty big on um, Instagram. Uh, he does. Uh, was a bow hunter and still is, but he also does ultra marathons. So the like the Bigfoot two forty, like two hundred and forty miles. Um, he and in the training for that, like he, so he's sponsored, or actually he just switched. I think he might be sponsored by Black Rifle Coffee. Whatever. Um, he was a sponsored. He did. Uh, he has movies. He's like as in like documentary style movies. He uh, is an author. Uh, he does podcasts. He's all over the place. He's all over social media. He works a nine to five job. Mm-hmm. Every day. Still has his job that he goes to every day. Mm. He runs a marathon every day. It's crazy, right? In, a, in totality. It. And yeah. it's crazy. And I mean, he does say, you know, it's not for everybody. My body is like, I'm genetically uh, gifted to do these kind of things sometimes. But like, even he's starting to feel like getting his body beat up. He's in like his late 50s or something. Oh, wow. And like, if you want to do it, you can do it. Oh, totally. There's time right? to do these things. I'm gonna, I'm gonna push. <laughs> Some back people on are that, crazy though, people. Though. A little bit because when you see someone like that with a nine to five job who's doing marathons or whatever, 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 I feel like that also kind of comes back to Burnout that stressed stuff. society. Hundred percent. Because that yeah. guy's probably stressed working a nine to five, training for a marathon, and like we as his audience are like, oh my god, he's he does, not that stressed out. We can do it. He does seem to love it though. There's so he's a, there are different people. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. exactly like certain people like my like my friend Lynn, right? Like she loves, she it. loves it. I'm like you I didn't even wake up yet and you already ran. I want to drink that yeah. Kool-Aid. But, to yeah. be honest. I do not. I'm okay with it. <laughs> I one time did a couch to 5k program as just Oh my talking. god, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, but you know what? I think I maybe finished it. It was 30 days. I might have got to day 25 and been like this is good enough. This is enough. I'm good. And then I I'm never good. ran this ever works. again. That's all right. Yeah. All right. No, not I can't for me. Run okay, now we have to hit on that second point because we went on another freaking But this tangent. is a natural progression, right? It it's is. like what do I what do I do? But now I cuz I feel like you are such a fun I don't run. Obviously. She doesn't run. Mike, do you like outdoor stuff? Uh, Nick yeah. too does not run. You're only Nick too because he He's was Nick here one. first. That's fair. That's the only reason. Totally fair. Um, oh, I thought you were saying Nick also because I also don't run. No, no, no. I was saying Nick, <laughs> Nick one, Nick, Nick two. one, Nick two. Because you're the you've been here longer. I mean, I don't know on this earth, but in this room, yeah. <laughs> um. So I just want to know. Obviously, like this, all this stuff is so heavy that we're yeah. talking about, and it's draining, and it's mm-hmm. you know, there's so much. And you're more than just like a burnout coach. You are you, Nick. You're doing your thing. Mm-hmm. I want to know what you do that makes you. What do you say? Funsies. Yeah, for funsies. What do you do for funsies? Yeah. Um. Well, I don't know if this is fun, but like I do meditate. (laughs) (laughs) So fun, right? I get down on my meditation. I love that. But if you enjoy it, it it. brings you back to zero, so you can. uh, Yeah, yeah. totally. It's funny because I have this TED talk on yoga, and like yoga was what originally like led me on this whole journey of like wanting to help people and really like drink the mind body connection Kool Aid. Yeah. Um, I don't do yoga right now, so I'm very open about that because for me, uh, meditation is like so much more my jam, and Mm. it's probably because uh, when I first came 
into yoga. I was not a therapist yet, right? So I loved like the community. Yeah. I loved like the active movement. Mm-hmm. And now I'm just like, I'm in people's energy all the time. It's I need like to be find in my, my own, own energy. Yeah, yes. I need to be quiet. I don't want people around me. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah. That so, makes total sense. Thank you. You're Particular welcome. type of uh, meditation? Um, So right now there's, okay, anyone who wants to meditate, please know because my clients ask me these questions. There's no right way and there's like a thousand different ways to mm-hmm. meditate. Uh-huh. Um, Right now I'm just doing candle gazing, um, which is just finding a point of focus. I like lighting the candle because it also kind of creates like a ritual and an anchor for me. Mm. Um, And then usually when I do a little bit of candle gazing, I'll like want to go inside of myself and then I like candle gaze in my brain. Oh, yeah. What is the, I'm I'm trying to think of the name of it. There's a a type of um, meditation that's like really popular right now a lot of like soul. transcendental yeah transcendental yeah, yeah, meditation yeah, yeah. that's what it is yeah and that's more of a like you get your uh mantra. you have your own mantra that you're not supposed to tell anybody as well it's supposed to be your own personal mantra and you're never supposed to tell it to another person um and it's like a re- repetition of mantra type of thing right so i've never done tm so oh. i can't pretend like i know but there's so many different kinds there's like mantra meditation where you do things like that you can count there's uh you can count you can candle gaze mm-hmm. you can just focus on the breath you can do open focus meditation which is like you don't focus on anything except for you notice your thoughts and you just observe where your mind goes so again no right way it's about finding what works for you it's like a diet there's no actual right way to do a diet find one that works right for you yeah so if you're interested in meditation i would literally actually here's what i give my clients if you have netflix uh, on Netflix, there's uh, Headspace, right? Headspace. Guide to Meditation. Yeah. It's a great little intro to meditation. There's eight episodes. It talks to you a little bit each episode. They're only like 15 to 20 minutes, a little bit of theory, then an exercise. So it's a great way to get exposed to like different ways of meditating yeah. so that you can see like this works for me or this doesn't. Yeah. Because I'm a big fan of um, trying different things so that you know what lands with you. There's yeah. another one. Um, it's called, I, I just had to look it up. It's called waking up it's sam harris i don't know who sam harris is sam harris he's like a kind of a commentator i don't know but he has a like a. I know a, dan harris he has a pretty lauded uh also brothers so dan harris has the 10 percent happier podcast he's a oh. big meditator he was a um a wartime journalist who had a pan yeah google him he had a panic attack on air Yep. Um, so oh, that led him. I've heard of him before. Yeah, that led him to actually pursue meditation. He also recently did an interview where he said uh, no longer doing cocaine also helped him not have panic wow, attacks. Wow, that's helpful. That's yeah, totally helpful. yeah. Also, so it's like meditation plus also don't do cocaine because do it will make you have a <laughs> don't panic do attack. Yeah, uh, Sam Harris is a philosopher and a neuroscientist mm-hmm. uh, and an author. So. And there's so much. I mean, I could do a whole other podcast on like all meditation. of my graduate school research and was on yoga or meditation yeah changes your brain just that's mm-hmm. all i'll say oh. it's like it literally changes your brain they can measure it it's pretty crazy I'm gonna try synaptic it. pathway stuff can change yeah. yeah and just like the way your brain lights up and responds oh. to things is different oh my so God. huge okay. proponent cool. of meditation i'm gonna look into it okay but some more all funsies. things oh i have two dogs you do yeah. What are they? Who are they? What are um, their names? So Karma is oh. a chocolate lab. And then I have Biscuit, who's my rescue lab. Oh my I got God. her from Save a Lab. Uh, shout out to Save a Lab. They foster and rescue labs from all over the country and oh get them here God. to Rhode Island and get them homes. So Is Karma the one on your website? Karma's the one oh on my website. Oh, my God. That yeah. Boy or girl? She's a girl. She's so cute. 
Oh Everyone God. in my husband's family has K names, so my dog had to have a K name. Karma. Karma. Oh Sasha's trying to get a dog right now. I so want a dog. Oh, we, we can talk. You can email me. We'll talk dogs. Yeah, I have a uh, I have a dog, and I've been obsessed with dogs like my whole life. So I have two cats. I, I have keep, a cat too. I have a Siamese cat rescue. Providence Animal Rescue League. I'm Very just gonna nice. plug all of plug all of the animal rescue organizations. What's your kitty's name? Um, okay, <laughs> his name is Snowball. Guess That's, what the color he is? He's white. He literally came with that name from Carl, <laughs> and I was like, it's too cliche. I have to keep it. <laughs> and I literally so went cute. back a Fluffy. week later, and they had a new white cat named they Snowball. Snowball. They just yeah. called them all. <laughs> Any white cat is like Snowball, yeah, Snowball, like Snowball. Snowball Junior, Snowball Senior. Yeah. Um. So, and I also heard you say that you love a scene with good food. I'm obsessed with, which is funny because actually another whole other tangent is to be a binge eater. Uh, um. So that was how my over perfectionism stress would manifest when yeah. I was very young. Mm-hmm. Um. And I, when I was at Brown, one of my coworkers introduced me to community supported agriculture, which is where you buy a share in a local farm and then yeah. they give you all their yummy produce um and that turned me on to how fantastic food is because i mean wow i come from like eastern european immigrants who had wartime trauma and my mom's irish so not to stereotype but but we it wasn't wasn't raised on good food people it was yeah. like potatoes <laughs> a boil and soup. a pork chop yeah there's a pork chop with no seasoning <laughs> oh and a potato God. so you know besides agriculture like making food do you have favorite like local restaurants you go to um yeah this is always a really hard question oh my god sorry so yeah, but we always ask it to like restaurateurs and they're like i can't answer i know that that's, true, that's true that's <laughs> true you can answer this question oh my god um so actually i really like the shanty which is in warwick on yeah, the east yeah. Greenwich line i'm oh pretty god. sure female owned and operated too you love that is it so good i've driven by it before oh. i've never been Love it. Okay. Yep. I'm going to go. regret saying it because now everyone's going to want to Everyone's going to go. Food the millions is, of people who listen to this podcast. So, you never know, right? <laughs> um, I've been told not to talk about Patuxa Village because my friends don't want me to blow it up. But um, I literally- If you live in Rhode Island and, and you don't, don't know, know Patuxa yeah. Village Some people don't, okay? I swear crazy. to God, I've met those people. Do you people. love pasta? Um, yes. Boston? But I also love Revolution. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, sometimes- Feliz? Fellinis, they might know us too well because they go there all the time. <laughs> yeah, love Fellinis. They're super best, nice oh too. my God, such great. Also, yeah. like female owned and operated yeah. restaurant. Um, so you ever I, get the uh, is it the Thanksgiving pizza? Uh, try getting it now. Yeah, it's basically impossible. You yeah, can't. <laughs> Literally, okay. Wait, I was going to get one last half. year and um, it sold out in like a half hour. Oh my God. Yeah, so, oh, yeah, they sell it. Best. Yeah, but I do tell people Thanksgiving pizza, Fellini's, okay. the day before Thanksgiving, but you literally have to it's start really trolling good. for it in like the August, September, starts. and then you need to find out when they're taking orders, and then you need to call immediately. I, oh. I The only reason I've ever had it is because we did a food article on it when they, I don't know if it was when they first released it or re-released it or something, it was years ago, um, and they... We got one to try and photograph, and that's the well, only thing. Well, you think it's going it. to be gross, but then you're like, oh, it's, it's so, so good. Is it like turkey and mashed potatoes? It's mashed literally potatoes, Thanksgiving gravy. on a pizza. It's Which is funny because awesome. I'm actually um, a pescatarian, but I oh eat Thanksgiving God, pizza. <laughs> because it's a once a year tradition. Um, oh, and I have to say, uh, Thames Street Kitchen in Newport is oh. literally my favorite restaurant I in love Rhode that. Island. Oh my so, God. so, so good. Y- literally, they do things with food where you're like, I had a parsnip. Like moose, Ooh. which sounds weird, but it's like I love. I had a great. blue cheese creme brulee. 
Oh my God, that sounds yeah, wonderful. They do like so, so many cool things with food there. That yeah. also, please don't go there. <laughs> don't go there. It's, uh, <laughs> Just it's kidding. Terrible. They're the best, and their um, food is so good. Do you? Uh, are you a drinker at all? Yes. Uh, do you like? Tequila? I'm a. I, I'm a. I'm a therapist. Do you think I have to drink? <laughs> I have to drink to keep showing up every day. You brought up Newport, so it made me think of it. Do you like tequila? Yes. Do, have you been to Diego's? I've okay, and they're coming to Providence, or are they just open? They're already in Providence. Open. Yeah, yeah. There. yeah. Um, so I've had dinner at Fluke, which has been told is no longer, which is next to Diego's. Yeah, I don't know if I've heard of that. Uh, it's gone now. Sad it's face. Now. Um, the Wharf, which is also I next to yeah. Diego's, yeah. they have great mac and cheese. Yeah, but I've never actually been, been to, to Diego's. Diego's? Uh, I've sat go, next to it many there's times. One here too, there. Yeah. If you like tequila, their their drinks are fantastic. Mm-hmm. One they on have the a really side. cool vibe in there too. Not too far. I did just have a really good kumquat margarita from Plant City over the oh, weekend. Okay, so we speaking like Plant of tequila, City. We mm-hmm. like that. That's pretty mm-hmm. cool. Mm-hmm. And if you're a vegetarian, I don't know if you've ever been to Garden Grill. Mm-hmm. They're another great spot. Um, I just love talking about food. Obviously. Me too. I know. I could do a whole podcast just talking about food. I know. Or pescatarian, well, have you been down to uh, 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 East Greenwich Oyster Bar? Uh, okay, have for Buckashuck, mm. but um, being a Bostonian who's now Rhode Islander for many years, I'm like, it's far. It's far. <laughs> like, I honestly couldn't tell you the last time I went to East Grand. Um, how about we went to Westerly and I was like, are we in another country? Like, oh my God. it was so far. My husband is a born and bred Rhode Islander, uh, and if he is not a stereotype, I don't know what even is. further away, Matunic Oyster Bar. I love Matunic, so yeah. do I. they actually have my favorite oysters. That's oh. why I, I said East, East Greenwich first because I was like, it's a little closer. Yeah, no, <laughs> Matunic, I think personally, I think they have the best oysters. Do you? I don't eat oysters because they scare me. Well, yeah. they, they harvest their own oysters. Yeah, and they're just, they're I, they're smaller, but their flavor profile mm. is great. Mm. Also, Perry, the person who owns the restaurant, Perry, is a really yeah. good person. Oh, he's cool. Yeah. Well, we've done a couple articles on him. Before. Yeah, I really just, he's he's a hard worker. He's yeah. often there at the restaurant. Like That's very amazing. Seems like a, one of my friends went to high school with him, so also you can love say that? he seems like a good it's person. It's such a in Rhode Island life. thing that yeah. also, yeah. like, oh yeah, I went to this restaurant and I saw like my second cousin from my aunt's side. You're like, <laughs> you are in Rhode Island. That's so why. True. Um, it's funny because when we, when I was, when we were talking about you coming on, I was like, oh, it's gonna be excited to like learn the fun and, but we talked so much to serious. We're gonna have to have you back on to talk about the fun. I love that. We Absolutely. had like a two minute fun combo. I know. Yeah. I want to like wrap all the good things in Rhode Island. Yeah, we will. Absolutely. We'll have another one. But this was, I mean, I have to say we've had all of our guests have been absolutely incredible but i feel like you are the first of your episode kind you're gonna be where it's super um insightful and you're like you are the expert thank you and yeah it's a little bit different it's typically uh like uh, an owner of a of a, a restaurant local, or a local business or, yeah. uh, and we kind of get their background and we talk mm-hmm. about the business and this is kind of more of a we are talking about it, which is, what is technically your business, it's your business. Uh, yeah. but it's also a little more um colloquially uh applicable to yes folks. yeah yeah i hope it's information that all of us can use right and hopefully yeah. like the reason i i set out to do things like this is personally one of the reasons i started coaching is because i think it's so stupid that we have to like end up needing therapy <laughs> i've had so many clients throughout the years where they're like i wish blah 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 sooner yeah and it's like yeah it's messed up right yeah, like yeah. why do we have to like lose our minds yep right so i think with coaching it's this idea that like let's just not get sick yeah let's just work let's it. not have breakdowns yes. yep. right yep, and let's... it's totally fine if you do but like Let's shift the paradigm. Yeah. And let's actually make the changes that we can Mm. for ourselves and hopefully as a society. So we're not all burnt out AF. Yeah. Yeah, But also, um, 
therapy itself, even as just like a um, a form of maintenance, mm-hmm. going to a therapist, totally. um, is the stigma behind it is especially in newer generations. Um, so I'd say like kind of our generation oh, and totally. then younger Shifting. is just not like if I were to tell any of my friends like, oh, yeah, I have therapy on Saturday and then I'll meet you guys out. Nobody would even They'd be like, oh, good for you, bro. <laughs> no, my they clients will care. tell like, me. They'll shit. be like, I went to brunch and I was talking about you and I was saying my therapist said. <laughs> and then they're like, and then I realized that was such a millennial statement to come out of my mouth. Yeah. Like, I'll talk about therapy over brunch. But mental yeah. health being destigmatized is a, is a very good thing. And it's a, you know, something to be a little more proud of as a, as early, newer generations. Mm, so heck it's yeah. Really cool. uh, and then also, uh, I mean, we're almost at an uh, hour and a half now. So that's I know fantastic. we need to go home. Then, I just live uh, here now. Yeah. I want, you have us yeah, caught now. Welcome here. here. <laughs> um, I just wanted to give you a chance. Uh, you know, if somebody wants to yes, keep up with totally. what you do, they want to book an appointment, they want to check you out. What's your website, social media? Yes. Yep. So if you want to find me, my coaching website is www.fromburnouttobalance.life. Um, because I'm also super transparent. You can find me on Instagram if you want. I don't mind. I'm going to follow you. Yeah, totally. So I have my professional Instagram is at Nikolai Blino, LMHC. Honestly, because I don't love social media because I need to protect myself from burning out and I need to have boundaries. <laughs> um, if I'm on social media, it's more likely to be my personal one, which is Nikolai Diana. You can find me there too. I'm fine with it. Yay. Yeah. Oh, this has been great. Thank you yeah. so much for giving us your time and your insight and telling us about your history, even though we didn't even, we just scratched the surface. Thank you. There's so much more. Fun. I know. This is yeah, great. This thanks, really Chris great. Revel, Thank for you. the introduction. Thanks, Chris Revel. <laughs> yeah. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Yes. Thanks, guys. Have a good day. Have a good one. Bye.